Hello, everybody, and welcome back to After the Smoke Clears. My name is Samuel. My name is Cameron. And my name is Scott. And today with us, we have a special guest guest <laughs> off to my right over here. What is your name, special guest? <laughs> Sydney Bear. Sydney Bear. Everyone give her a round of applause. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I don't think we've ever done that. <laughs> it's okay. That's I'm spicing cool. it up today. Yeah, that's right. So That's good. Sydney is a friend of mine, has been a friend of mine for a long time and a friend of your guys is for yep. a little while as well um mm-hmm. so i mean we kind of like to invite everyone on that we feel like has something to say about something important and for us with sydney it's definitely like we acknowledge that our podcast takes place in canada and there's a lot of history here that's like unreported and you know current events that are not really being discussed and we want to use our platform to shed light on that and something that we've been thinking about for a long time is that we record within bc but we don't do land acknowledgements and we don't Mm -hmm. yeah like share to our audience which is bigger than canada of where we are what that means and so that's what i thought it would be really cool to have sydney on to you know kind of show us the way because right now we're in a different place then we normally record and i would like to know for every place what about you guys what do you think yeah i think it's definitely something we could start doing as well because like we are here like you know i mean yeah it's yeah <laughs> we are <laughs> i mean yeah it's just good to show respect to that and show acknowledgement to that yeah, also exactly. like it's like education and awareness to people that don't know people that whether that's within canada or not So yeah, I mean, Sydney, if you want to take it away and introduce yourself, your background, kind of give us a little information on what a land acknowledgement would look like for the pod today, where we are, and yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Well, um, my name is Sydney, and I'm Korean Soto First Nation from Peguas First Nation, which is located in Manitoba. I would first like to begin by acknowledging that the land on which we gather and that I have had the privilege to call my home for the last 14 years is the unceded territory of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. I did this land acknowledgement a little bit different than it is normally done. Sometimes people say the unceded traditional and ancestral territories of the Coast Salish peoples, Um, but we can talk about what those terms mean. So unceded is a term that means that the land was never officially given up legally. So this means that the crown and the colonizers stole the land and traditional territory is a term used to describe that the land is and was occupied by the indigenous peoples who have a long history of traditions and connections to the land Mm -hmm. and ancestral is a term that i don't even know how to describe ancestral i mean maybe i won't describe it for now 
Oh, mm. may, maybe do you think like when they say ancestral, they mean like it just dates back like your people have been there for for so long that it's your ancestors' lands? Well, yeah, it is. Like, like generations it's the land upon of your generations. Ancestors. Yeah, so mm. ancestral. Mm-hmm. Ancestral means. Yeah, I think it kind of means like, yeah, it's the land of the ancestors. Mm-hmm. Unseated. Did you. Okay, so something that I wanted to, I don't know, just like step in and say is that I definitely did like do land acknowledgements in my university but when we went to high school do you guys ever remember them yeah no. really at what a, classes a, uh it was never in well it was not cl- it wasn't classes it was when we had big presentations over in the auditorium yeah. oh, whenever okay. we had yeah, a, a guest like when we had a guest speaker come in or it was a big like school like big school day event we would have land acknowledgements yeah i remember that yeah for sure yeah. yeah we had them at our private school as well for that i don't yeah. remember if we did them in like class or whatever but we did i remember them doing it in like my grade 12 year like at those big they started like, doing it in classes yeah. and stuff no just in like the large assemblies oh because yeah, yeah in university we do them before like if i present in a class or if i present in a group i don't know if that's the same for you in discussion groups yeah you do one right before mm-hmm. but that's i don't know it feels like right because that's where you're standing and where you are if you're presenting kind of anything on that land using that as your platform for anything yeah the thing with land acknowledgements is that it gets pretty performative and it's not as meaningful in some cases so i guess just like hearing it all the time i'm always like wondering if they're actually just like saying it because they're acknowledging it or they're just doing it as like they're just performing just yeah this is it's something that i've thought about too that like frustrates me within our school that like They'll say, oh, you'll fail this presentation if you don't start it with this. And yeah, they say it, but it's very empty. It's like, okay, we un- we acknowledge that this was not given to us. But we're not going to give it back. Like you can name some school or some buildings, but like, do you know what I mean? I don't think that that's right. I don't think that the way that they're like profiting off y- the use of that land. Mm-hmm. And I don't think enough is being done to repair the damage that has been done by just taking it. And like enough has been done to give back they're developing on it like crazy but it's not like you know i don't think i don't know they they took it and they're basically it's like it's ours so i don't understand how a land acknowledgement changes that mm-hmm. it's kind of just like everyone in the school every student every one that works here say it but mm-hmm. we're keeping it you know yeah, like that's, well, yeah it's like the whole virtue signal signaling thing about today's societies people like to do things just to feel good because they think it's the right thing to do yeah. instead of actually getting out there and changing direct like going and helping what directly directly the problem is that's on the individual level i'm talking about more like the like ceo level like the person who like runs ubc the person who owns a lot of this like, it's it's the yeah. same thing they just do it because they feel they have to because it makes them feel good but they don't no, have that, i don't think that's it makes them feel good i think it's the yes the first thing yeah they feel they have to yeah like they feel like that's what is gonna look better that's better for business yeah that's, yeah it's that's performative for sure mm-hmm. that's what i feel like i have I no problem saying it because for me like i'm not like, I can acknowledge this is not my land, but I also want to acknowledge that I do not, like, align with Colonizer Canada. So, for me, that's where I stand in, like, wanting to, like, give acknowledgement to the land and, like, use our platform to talk a lot about, like, Indigenous Canada and, like, history and everything that's happened to everything that's happened to the community. So, I don't know. That's why it's important to me. But, yeah, I definitely agree that a lot of people, it's mm-hmm. just, you know, what we said. 
Yeah, it's just it's all just for show. It's really just to make it appeal. It's to get that public appeal to show that like, hey, like we're moral, we're good. It's what the institutions do. They just want to show off for everyone else. It's all about public persona, their appearance. Yeah, it's just, it's just PR. That's all it is. Yeah, it, I find it interesting that in a lot of the classes that I had in the past. So I'm majoring in Indigenous Studies. And in all of my Indigenous Studies classes, whether that be like Indigenous Languages or just Indigenous Studies, they always start, they don't start every class like that, but the first class that you have, they start off with the land acknowledgement, and then they explain what these terms mean, and then also get into deeper, like, how does it make you feel? How does it make Indigenous people feel? Like, like what mm-hmm. is the meaning for like what is the meaning of this and what is the target audience kind of thing they get mm-hmm. really into it yeah which i find is really interesting they're actually like teaching whereas like a lot of other classes that i've been in like chemistry for example or geology even just yeah. like said the acknowledgement and then just like moved on yeah mm-hmm. yeah i agree with that yeah they felt like they had to so they said it at the beginning and then they just kind of yeah like sam was saying they just say it because they for the sake of saying it yeah. yeah yeah but opening up that conversation is super important because yeah it has to be if it's being done with the portrayal that it's benefiting that community there needs to be discourse around if that actually is benefiting that community or if it's just one of those blind actions kind of like as we've talked about on the pod here before uh, about like you know the black screen on instagram for yeah. to yeah. say you align the with black people hashtag ever. blm um you know, just like doing little performative things that don't really mean anything yeah. to make you look good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's an interesting one. But yeah, I think there are like a bunch of different intentions amongst people for doing that. And I don't think that the majority of people that even the people that do them know why they're doing them. Do you know what I mean? Other than just like I was told to. And that's not a positive thing. Mm-hmm. Like you really do have to reflect on why that is, you know, why that's important to be said, why you are, you know what I mean? Yeah. And acknowledge, I don't know. Like if I was in India, right, like that's mine. Like I don't have to really worry about nothing. But like even for me, like I don't, you know, I don't, my ancestors aren't the colonizers, but still like, you know, I can acknowledge that this is not my land. That's like my people's for all as far back as time goes, you know. Yeah. Um, I guess yeah. we can also... Yeah acknowledge that today is september 30th which is the national day for truth and reconciliation yeah so yeah so that's why we honestly wanted to get together tonight where it's like 11 30 right now we're doing like a little bit of a late night podcast but Mm -hmm. it was important for us to get together sydney went to an event today at our university for it so i just wanted to kind of like hear about that for sure um so i guess i'll kind of explain what the national day for truth and reconciliation is Mm -hmm. so it is pretty much a day that honors the children who never returned home and the survivors of residential schools and i guess it also honors their families and communities and Mm -hmm. the gathering that i went today to today was in commemoration of this tragic and painful history and let me just pull it up it was held at the indian residential school history and dialogue center at ubc and when i walked up there were probably 300 orange shirts that i saw and it was really actually it was really impactful because i didn't really 
I didn't think that that many people would show up because a lot of the times when I have gone to gatherings or have talked about this, there's not a lot of supporters that I see. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was a very emotional day for me. It was very heavy, especially listening to the speakers. Elder Doris Fox from Musqueam opened up and said a few words. I think her... One of her other family members came up and talked as well. They also had a traditional Coast Salish song and dance group perform. They're called Coastal Wolf Pack. They have a traditional name, but I don't even want to try to attempt to say it. Yeah. yeah. That's but um, that was, it was really nice because I, I really like when events like this have mm-hmm. um, performances and like dances and songs by Indigenous people because... It's like, yeah, you can get up and talk about, like, how our culture was stolen or erased. And, but to really, like, fully grasp it and, like, understand that our culture is still alive today and around today. And it's not just a thing of the past. is to actually see it and, like, hear. So I think, to me, that was really impactful. They had, like, their little, like, the kids come up and, like, do their Mm -hmm. dance. Like, it was, like ages like i'm gonna say maybe like four like there were babies on that stage as well mm-hmm. being held obviously not performing yeah <laughs> but like kids like probably like four and up were in that dance group and it was really impactful seeing like multiple generations performing for us mm-hmm. um i don't exactly know who said it but someone mentioned today that if it wasn't for our elders, our ancestors, we wouldn't be here today. And I, for me, that really hit home because a lot of the times when I think about it, I'm like, I'm only here today because my ancestors survived. And I feel as though I have to do my part and continue to push through for indigenous peoples and support them. So, to me, that was a really... One thing I want to go back on, like, I think this is such an important topic, but I will acknowledge that, like, what I said earlier in the pod, there's a, there are some listeners of ours that aren't Canadian. So, they're listening to this with a gap in their knowledge. So, I think we should, like, give a little bit of information on what residential schools were what happened at them kind of like that there was generational trauma occurring so if you want to i'm happy to obviously you can tell it a little bit better than i can so up to you i can always go into it deeper in another episode but i yeah. will give just like a, little a brief overview. yeah so from the 1800s to 1996 indian residential schools were run by the government and religious organizations. They forcibly sent 150,000 children to these schools, ages like two and up or three, I'm not exactly sure, but really young and older. And it is estimated that around 5,000 children died at these schools from multiple different reasons, but many suspect this number to be much higher, around 15,000 or more. Mm -hmm. And this is very evident with the recent unmarked graves found at um, old residential school sites. Mm -hmm. 
And at these schools, a lot of injustices happened. There were mental, emotional, physical, and sexual abuse that happened. Um, many children suffered from malnutrition, starvation. They were forced to speak English, and essentially what the government did was try to make them forget their language, their culture, mm -hmm. everything, and trade that for kind of British... <laughs> Canadian values instead of indigenous oh, yeah. values. Um, John A. Macdonald, our first Prime Minister of Canada, said the goal of these schools was to take the Indian out of the child. I've always thought the term Indian, too. That's something we can go into as well. It really infuriates me. Yeah. Personally, obviously, I feel a connection to it, but just like that term in itself shows their like lack of care or awareness to actually like this group's history and like their their attempt to make them sound foreign mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like they're not indians they're yeah. this is whatever like canada is not this country but whatever this country's name is yeah. this is theirs it's not like they're not i don't know i it's i i really don't like that yeah. but well like the reason the reason they call them the like the term indian where it came from is because no, i know yeah who who, who was it that, sa that sailed who was columbus the first sailed and columbus, he yeah. thought that this was india yeah. So then he marked it as India, and he's like, these are Indians. And, yeah, to this day, people will call them Indians. And I'm like, they're not Indians. Like, it implies they're foreign, and they're yeah, not yeah. foreign. This is the, like, I'm Indian. That, that, I'm from far away, not, yeah. you know, this is their land. So, I don't know, that really it's like infuriates they're, they're, me they're, for the Indians. They're Native community. Canadian, Native American, that's what they are. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, for, like, for, for, in first, this case, for, Native first, Canadian. First, first Nations. Yeah. I mean, like it's, it's the you can't just come here and say mine and then be like it's not theirs, it's ours. Like that, that's just not up for discussion. I feel. Yeah. Anyway, go on about. Sorry, I just wanted to chime in and say that because that's something that I. No, that's totally okay. I think it's really interesting that um. So like you learn this in law, but I'm not in law. But my dad taught me this. Um. So when the colonizers came. They saw this land as Terra Nullis, or Terra Nullius, not exactly sure, but they saw the land as that, and that essentially means no, like, no man's land or whatever. Yeah, mm -hmm. I've heard this. So, essentially, in international law, there's four ways that you can obtain land through, through like, treaty or agreement, through um, conquest, through... Mm -hmm. Terranolius, and then through one other thing I just can't remember. Like, maybe I don't remember for the life of me. But there's four ways. And the colonizers saw this land as Terranolius because they saw the indigenous people's way of living as uncivilized, and that they were unable to live and govern and manage themselves. So that is why yeah they, well from the start they looked at it through their lens and their standard and they assessed yeah. it as not their standard so mm -hmm. then they somehow got the right to do that and continued to be like all right well this is ours and you need to be up to our standard or we are going to you know do in terrible inhumane things to you yep ruin families create generational trauma it's i don't know yeah, that was one of the worst things that they came here saying that the the natives did not have like an actual way of governing themselves but yet 
they actually did. Hundred percent. Because a, a lot of a lot and of and a way to live off the land. A lot of the way that uh, that that America is run, run a lot of the ways that they like the ways their government works was taken by inspiration from how the how the uh, the, the Native Americans ran themselves and ran their different tribes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the natives fully had a way of governing themselves. Yeah, mm-hmm. they just assessed it the way they wanted to. Honestly, it yeah. was just they wanted to obtain land probably more than anything. Oh yeah, it's all about it's all about conquest. That's what it was back in the day. Wealth. Mm-hmm steal as much land as they can and yeah sell it yeah basically just bit, like, sell it just keep it you know yeah. control yeah. it just back in the day yeah it was all about just building your building your building your nation's empire that was the, that was the point of it well that's yeah that's how the british came here mm-hmm. why it's, it's why like it's like how the british have the saying the sun never sets on the british empire yeah scott and i have talked about that before i really don't like that saying really don't do you know what that means no it basically is like because they've dominated so many countries the sun never sets on the empire because, like, if it sets on one side of the world, they control the other side too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just disgusting. I hate. I hate the sun never sets. That's whack. Like, I mean, it was more in the past, I think, than now. But it's the it's the it's the conquest. And no, it's true because we learned about that when we were in high when we were in high school. That saying that's where I learned it. Yeah, and it's true because they really because Britain they've conquered what ninety percent of the world. Ninety percent of the world's nations they've conquered at some point in history, or they've governed or ruled at some point in history. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah, they they've, yeah, they've governed they a lot of the world. There's hardly any any, any there's hardly any like place on earth that the that the, Brit, that the British haven't touched in history. Yeah, no, there. I mean, really I'm not surprised to hear that. I yeah. think like what infuriates me with like indigenous people in Canada and the government and here and like I don't know. I see these videos on social media, especially around this time of year, considering the event today and the holiday today. Mm-hmm. Um, was is like all of this stuff around people like you wouldn't look at a holocaust victim and tell them forget about it it's been so long like you know move on kind of stuff or like somebody you know like not a victim but like a a, fa- a certain demographic a family of the victim or like you know like yeah jewish people you wouldn't tell them just forget about it you wouldn't say like that was you know that's in the past move on and like we're telling indigenous people that was in the past move on like take this chip off your shoulder and go do yeah. so. and it's like this really like deeply impacted their community you tried to erase them mm-hmm. cyclically for a really long time and it's disgusting and yeah. for me that is what infuriates me is in canada they like the expectation that they're just supposed to move on and forget it when in reality things are still happening today like with pipelines and them forcefully people like protesting in areas and then forcefully being removed and they're like no we're doing it like you can't stop us at the end of the yeah. day it's ours i don't understand you know then they don't who cares about the yeah. land acknowledgement and at sfu if in burnaby they're gonna fight for their land you know what i mean if in yeah. burnaby people are getting arrested for a pipeline who cares about if we're doing a land acknowledgement at sfu that's how i feel mm-hmm. yeah. especially especially with uh they when people say oh it was such a long time ago when it really wasn't because the last residential school it was closed down in like the late 80s or the late no, 90s 1996 yeah. yeah 1996 and that wasn't that that wasn't that long ago that no. was only that was like just under 30 years ago yeah like that is not a long not long enough ago to be like that's so in the past i mean yeah we still look at the bible was that written yesterday like i'm confused Definitely. like people still believe that like yeah i just don't really understand that way of living that's like okay it's not because no one actually believes in that they're, they're people just like the canadian government just likes to and Canadians just like to do anything they can to be like, it wasn't our fault. Shh, like we don't want to yeah. hear about it. Yeah, like yeah. it wasn't our fault. It happened. Move on. Like, shh, like it was my ancestors. It was my like family. Like I didn't do it, but like it's still important to like 
take accountability for your like for your past like your your history like Mm -hmm. of your family like sure you didn't do it but it's like a responsibility i feel as like a canadian that's what i always say like to people that say well i didn't do it it wasn't me it's like i think the responsibility is in your hands then to realize your privilege and educate yourself on what's going on around you on what's happened on what your people have done and what you can do to be different to break you know cycles obviously it's not going to be like oh what you can do to close a residential school they're not in but what you can do to support the community what you can do to like advocate to you know like i see i think i've talked about this on this podcast before but i've seen like documentaries of protests of the pipeline and you see all of these people and not all of them are indigenous showing up for the community and showing like i'm with them this is for this is theirs this is not yours to take i don't know it doesn't always mean that kind of showing up financially whatever it is just aligning with the people and showing that that is the Canada that I, that that is my Canada I don't know people always talk about this is my president this is my prime minister that's my Canada you know my Canada is not British Canada it's not French Canada no another mm-hmm. thing about what you were saying before like like why don't you just get over it or like it's in the past like a lot of people who went to residential schools are still alive today and yeah are still feeling the effects of what happened to them as well as like you said intergenerational trauma a lot of indigenous people experience that if not all yeah and it's not just because of residential schools it's also because of things like the 60s scoop and what was the 60s scoop it is essentially in the 1960s um a lot of indigenous children who were either just born or young were taken from their families and put into the child welfare well child welfare, welfare yeah. system oh because yeah. they wanted them to be raised by yeah yeah it is another way of separating indigenous families you know it's it's when did the truth and reconciliation day start that was two years ago right yeah oh. it, was, it was pretty recent because it's not yeah. very long it's been around no. and like i don't know it was in our in our uh, social studies books vaguely when we were kids but like the level that the canadian government went the 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 different like levels of their approach to try and kill this community is like just mm-hmm. disgust like the fact yeah. that uh, it's just dis- i don't even have a word for it and the fact that it's still happening obviously there's people still that there's people that are living that s- survive that experience that are you know and there's people that have lost family members from it there's people that have cycles of addiction and alcoholism and all this in their family because of it and then there's people standing around being like all right well it happened it's over move on and some of those people are in power and i I don't know like i don't know what to say other than that makes me so frustrated and i think the bare minimum is societal acknowledgement if not governmental then societal like this should not be a discussion amongst people i don't think at this point like technology is so advanced now that you can literally just go on the internet yeah and search it up yourself educate yourself there's so many indigenous films out there that you can watch Mm. and learn um one film that i really like is called real engine which is r-e-e-l space i-n-g-u-n but i don't recommend saying engine ever it is a derogatory term i just said that because of it's the name of the film where did that come from uh 
Well, it definitely, like, just how any derogatory name comes out of, like, just society and just, um, like, oppressing indigenous peoples. That's just another name. Yeah. Yeah, but what, why why did they come up with that name? Like, they're because normally for for all for all like racial slurs or like or names for other races, derogatory terms, or there's like there was an origin to it. I think it was just because it sounded like Indian, and it was just like another mm-hmm. way of yeah. saying it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't no, exactly know. Yeah, I mean. There's a ton of resources online, even like less of a commitment than, you know, a documentary, a video, or an, an article is just going on TikTok. Like TikTok mm-hmm. is such a resource these days because you can connect personally with people on the ground in kind of any area and any problem and any issue that you want to educate yeah. yourself on. And so, you know, we kind of talked about this on the Lahaina episode as well about just like educating yourself, doing your own research to understand the background of your surroundings of what's going on of things that aren't re- directly around you but it's so important because without doing that research i don't know i feel before when i was a kid even i i thought that the education that i was getting was was reality and that was yeah. it i thought that that was all it was ever going to be and i think at some age you have to realize and every person should that you're going to need to do a lot of your own research to have a good understanding of what's around you of what's going yeah. on of the mm-hmm. things that are happening because a lot of the stuff happened. that you learned when you were younger and even like still to this day are very i'm gonna say like whitewashed or just in favor of mm-hmm. like the yeah. colonizers i remember when i was younger learning about the fur trade and yeah they were just saying like oh the indigenous people gave us furs and it was great and we like built <laughs> like we grew as a community and as like a society whereas like yeah. the fur trade was very like a lot of things happened that weren't just like here's your fur yeah oh yeah that's a, that's a thing about our schools in canada is that they will teach they'll teach us the history but they'll only teach us part of the history yeah. they'll make it nice and glossed over to obviously like you said in favor of uh in favor of the in favor of the colonizers coming through just mm-hmm. uh one on one to keep it look nice for public appeal and then one second part to keep it pg for kids and also then yeah. so they can teach them like a more biased opinion on on history well i think history is misrepresent misrepresented in almost every country like even yeah. when we talk about we Definitely. can go as far as thinking even like north korea they manipulate history current they manipulate the mm-hmm. people's thoughts of every other nation they exasperate like stories about you know they uh, about america they they incite hate it's yeah. Every country is doing that to an extent. They're trying to get their people to view things in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And that totally. is through the education system. And that's, I think, a major flaw with it is that it's supposed to be used to give people a foundational understanding of yeah. everything. And instead, we're using it to manipulate people to think a certain way. Well, yeah, it's it's like that's why there's or a saying. That's why there's that's why there's a saying, which is a uh, history is written by the victor. Yes. So whoever wins the battles and whoever wins overall history. will write history in their own view. Yeah. 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 Scott, you know where that came from? <laughs> Captain Price. I've heard it before. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. But yeah, basically, <laughs> it might be a fictional quote from a video game character, but it does have it does hold its weight. Yeah, yeah, and it is true. It's been tr- proven true through history. I find it interesting that a lot of people here in Canada don't know about Indigenous people, or don't know what residential schools are, don't know like literally anything. Mm-hmm. And they've lived on this land for I don't know how long. But what I find super interesting and was actually shocking to me was I went to a wedding this summer. And 
I met my boyfriend's family mm-hmm. and his brother who was getting married, his wife now, her family is from Oman and when I introduced myself saying that I I'm First Nation and I'm doing indigenous studies and I live in Canada, they immediately were like, Oh my gosh, it's terrible what happened to like the indigenous people there with the residential schools and and the recent find or the recent uncovering of the unmarked graves. And they just like went on about how terrible it was and how like like I don't even know, but I was just shocked at how much they knew when they aren't even from Canada. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Compared to the people here, like that don't even have yeah. A basic understanding of it other, yeah. anyway, other than as fr- told from the victor. Yeah. It just goes to show people's yeah. ignorance and just lack of care, really. I think also we've talked about this before, us three, like that sense of security, wanting to be like, you know, it's more peaceful to believe everything's just good. Everything's mm-hmm. just, there's you a know, be- this there's country, there was a reason eye. for everything. Things, bad things were in the past. Let's keep going forward. And yeah. that's like a big reason I think people push like, residential schools and talking about that back because they're like let's you know move forward things are better and it's like okay things are definitely not i mean yes better in the sense that those schools aren't there but not better in the sense that nothing is going on their people are fine the government is doing nothing to harm them there's nothing like they're not being impeded on they have their like you know what i mean it's just like there are so many active issues i couldn't even sit here and name all them and the norm or the social i feel like canada the norm or the social understanding that's pushed is that bad things were in the past you know what they do now is them kind of thing and that's kind of that's what i hear around and that's what i don't like yeah there is an important quote that i think is so important it's those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it and that's so true because you can see it actually happening like events are repeating itself yeah in many different scenarios many different like ways mm-hmm. but. i totally agree do you think that it's do any of you think that it's in the near future that are or has it already happened that are like history books that are taught in elementary and high school are being changed or like you know so. indigenous voices are being heard or whoever they're you know because it wasn't just those history books touched on it canada's connection with india china mm-hmm. yeah. i i remember you know being taught about india from a british lens yeah very interesting being yeah. taught about china from a british lens very I well do... no you, you you go first you go first oh, okay well i do know that our old high school um yeah is actually teaching um indigenous history so they are talking about residential schools. They are listening to survivors' stories. They are actually actively making a difference, which I'm glad that they're doing it now, but should have happened sooner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think now that the media and, you know, the way that even social media has, like, morphed has kind of put a lot of pressure on institutions and mm-hmm. companies and all this to make changes. And that's positive, but it kind of circles back to what Sydney said earlier about even land acknowledgments. It's like, it's positive, but how much of this is performative? How much of this is, you know, for a meaning? And that's what I, what I always kind of go back to. Yeah. What I find is interesting, like what you said back to education, is that I think it was in 2014 that um, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission of Canada released their 94 
calls their 94 recommendations yeah. which are their calls to action yeah and in their calls to action was like teaching about indigenous peoples and then having that indigenous component to education yeah and canada did in fact accept it but it has taken them it it's almost been 10 years and they just recently started teaching. I think, like, when I think back to my childhood and education, I mean, everyone can say their piece of it's different, but for me, I don't really remember being taught a lot of Indigenous history, especially in elementary school, the way that I was taught other history. Like, you know, more like the colonizers and, like, how they've created Canada, like, more political Canada, like, I think. And, that I mean, elementary into high school, and I think, I think, like, one of my favorite experiences in my education, like, before university was, ironically, not even in class, they, my school took us to, like, camping trips every year, and one year they took us, I don't even remember where, and we went to, like, some longhouses, and we got to sit in them for, like, hours, and, like, talk to different elders within that community about, like, their experiences, and their life, and the, their way of life, and, they told us some of their stories or stories that they had heard from others because like um, storytelling, um, vo- like vocal storytelling is very valuable in that community because that's like how they pass their history as we've just said. Like, you know, the, the books don't really tell everything. They don't tell this the stories that they can tell. So it's that was like one of the most valuable parts of my childhood education. And I think that honestly, if I could put that into any... It's kind of a fluke, you know? It was, like, at a camp. It was, like, an event mm. kind of thing. It wasn't, like, meant to educate the way that... it Maybe it was, but you know what I mean? Like, I don't like that that was what had to... That was the only time we kind of got an experience like that. Yeah. yeah. And that was an extracurricular kind of thing. That was just because yeah. of the school we went to, I think. I remember, like, in social studies, going through all the, like, the stuff. Even, like, Sam was in my class in grade 11, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I always thought we were gonna learn about like World War Two and like history in like the world, and they really focused on Canada. A lot of social studies was focused on Canada. I think it was Canada, like history or socials eleven was Canada. Yeah, but even like socials ten, socials eight, nine, socials eight. Maybe ten. Yeah, yeah. Like there was a lot about Canada, and then I always thought, okay, this is the truth, and then like you actually like do more research into it, and you're like, okay, this is like what they want you to think totally yeah it's just totally like not what actually happened you know like they just kind of like look at it as like oh you know and we just took their land and (laughs) like they graze over it for me it's just scary every day to learn more and more that we have less security than we thought we ever did you know we're like growing up thinking like i live in a country that's gonna tell me the truth and i don't have to worry about these things (laughs) you know and as you grow up more and more you're like okay so like they're just as corrupt they just not just as corrupt they're very corrupt as well they're just quieter they're just smarter they're just better at you know keeping this thing in the limelight not that and it's like you realize very quickly that every security that most security that you thought you had in terms of like thinking in terms of knowledge in terms of understanding that's not really there yeah it's not the security isn't there to keep you safe it's there to keep their secrets safe 100 percent. that's the only that's the only reason they have it there if they ever have anything like that the government is just thinking about themselves and it just happens 100%. to work out partially in your favor. Yeah, there's no like rest assured in that information. And that's how I felt as a kid when I would like read my textbook. I'd read a whole yeah. chapter and be like, okay, 
I get it now. Rest assured, I understand. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. And then, like, growing up, mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know. No, that's not what happened. So now I know I don't understand. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I, this is why I never cared for reading any of those books when we were in high school. I mean, yeah, I guess it paid off because they're not right. Yeah. So <laughs> for me, it just helped me with the background because obviously in my degree now, I'm learning for sure the other side. And yeah. honestly, it feels like a lot more realistic because it's not pages on a book only it's like you know real life stories it's guest speakers it's films yeah. it's articles written by indigenous people it's like you know you're really like i'm getting you know this wasn't written 20 years ago by a group of teachers from bc it was written mm-hmm. by elders within communities yeah it was written by people that i would want to hear from on these issues mm-hmm. so that's i don't know if even i don't know if you can access university papers when you're in when you're not attending but like I'm sure you can like go on like Google Scholar and see these kind of things and like read There's them. There's also or... a lot of books that you can go and read by people who For sure. actually yeah like are within the demographic and have are within the study in the field. So yeah. So um, I think that that's a good precursor to a larger conversation that we're... I don't know if precursor is a word. That's a good intro to a con- larger conversation that we're going to be having. Yeah. We're yeah. going to have Sydney on here very soon again, and we want to get into more of, like, Indigenous Canada, the issues that we see, the topics that we want to discuss, and more about, like, myself and Sydney personally and as, yeah. like, people of color within Canada and sense of belonging. So... I mean, I think we can leave this one here and Yeah. I I definitely have a lot to say on this on this topic in regards for Sydney and everything because working in trades for the past six years I've worked with quite a few indigenous people. A lot of a lot of whom have they've had it very rough growing up and they've shown me like the real like the realistic ugly ugly truth of uh, Canada and growing up being indigenous, just like getting harassed by police, the gang issues, the in, the issues within the community, like I said, the intergenerational trauma, the cycles of a uh, of of abuse and uh, substance abuses as as well. Mm-hmm. Growing up with that, they said it wasn't it wasn't easy for them. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm different in that way because I. I'm very fortunate to look white. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll say fortunate in, like, I'll say fortunate lightly because, you know, I visibly I don't look indigenous and I think that has gotten me quite far. But, um, yeah, that is definitely something I do, am going to get into. Yeah, and for I sure. See you guys next. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I'm really excited to get into that conversation because I think that's something that's like largely felt amongst minorities, especially like. I mean, one side is immigrants, the other side is just like white presenting people because you know, mm-hmm. sense of belonging is a confusing thing within these communities, especially also with indigenous people, where the government has created tiers of what is a real indigenous person and what is a non-status, and it's just very confusing. That's yeah even that's it's all just one larger conversation that i'm really excited to get into yeah and now that you guys know sydney and yeah you can hopefully hop back in and yeah thank you for having me Mm -hmm. of course we are so excited you came thanks for coming on yeah i can't wait for the next part of this me too all right well thank you so much for listening please follow us on social media if you don't and don't forget to comment or you know message us on anything and let us know what you think about the episode 
any thoughts or feelings you have on anything we said yeah um that being said see you guys next time thanks for listening bye thank you good night everybody